Weighing In Podcast presented by Track Wrestling. I'm your host, Alex Steen. This is episode number 113. On the line, as always, David Miracatani. David, you know, we talked a little bit about how uh, we were taping last week on Christmas Eve. Now we're taping on New Year's Eve, and we're up early to do it. Um, <laughs> how are you doing early this morning? It's a whole new sign of adulthood for me, of maturity. It's uh, 7.50 Central Time. And um, I'm leaving out after this to go to the Southern Scuffle. I am already, I've done all the normal things that most adults do by this time of the day, but that I normally don't. So, um, but it, it was cool. I was thinking about doing this last night and the wrestling, you know, seeing all the results, especially some of the Midlands finals results. I knew we were going to have a really good uh, podcast today. And I'm just excited about it, man, because there were some results that I didn't see coming at all. If you did, you're a lot smarter guy than me, man. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody saw all the results coming. That's that's what you get when you have the Midlands and South Beach duels going on. Just, I mean, I I make notes for this podcast every week on our spreadsheet so we can both see them. And I don't think I've ever put in more notes than I did this week. There's just a ton to talk about. Um, and once we digest these and get them all done tomorrow we get the southern scuffle to start up so there's going to be even more to talk about next week this is a great time of year uh, and yeah uh, one thing before we get to the d1 stuff um, uww did change their seating criteria a little bit um, i think the good news there was really that they're continuing to tweak it and try to make it better what basically what they did is they doubled the values for well, they doubled the champion, the, the number of points you get for winning the world championships or Olympic games. Um, and they also raised significantly the value you get for getting a silver medal. Pretty much everything else is the same, but what that does is it devalues the continental championships and the other ranking series events, which as we've seen, I think they needed to be devalued a little bit. Um, obviously last year it was hard to tell since they didn't use the world championships from the previous year in their calculations, but just looking at how it would have been, um, a lot of these guys wrestled the world championships and we either don't see them again, or we only see them at one other event. So um, they needed to make it valuable to win a world title. I think we all acknowledge that. And so um, they did that. And I, I like that they're continuing to tweak it and try to make it better. Yeah, you know, you and I have a running Google document, and as, I guess, headlines pop up, we'll add them on to the discussion list. And I, I remember putting this on whatever day it was. I'm so confused now with the holidays. But it was I was super interested in your take on it because I know you're a guy that follows this. So you feel like this is definitely a move for the better. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I mean, it. I, initially what they were trying to do, and they're probably still trying to do it, is build a season, um, you know, so and to encourage guys to wrestle at Continental Championships and some of these other tournaments that they do for ranking series events. And that's great, but I think what we found out is that people are going to set, especially the top guys like Zach Lyab and people like that, they're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to set their schedule based on what works for them and what their training cycle is and it doesn't make sense for those guys not to have a lot of points coming into the next season. So I think this is a good move. Um, one other thing they did that I will mention is they've combined some of the events. So the men's and women's freestyle will be together for their ranking series for the most part. And I think even the Greco is together with them at one event. So they're, they're kind of consolidating a little bit. Some of the, uh, 
some of the Greco events, some of the women's freestyle events didn't get a lot of attention last year, so hopefully that'll help them uh, market those a little bit better and kind of make bigger events out of these ranking series events. So that's good too. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like, you know, we're obviously focusing on the college season right now and the D1 season, but, you know, I talked to a lot of the guys, you know, RTC guys and just guys I'm friends with in the 2019 U.S. Open and who's going up and who's going down and scoring these points to be seated and ranked and be on the team and be on the ladder and avoid, uh, you know, having to wrestle in the tournament, making it to the final version of, of what 2020 will look like. That's uh, the jostling or, or positioning for all that is fascinating. And, you know, I mean, old school coaches will go, look, it doesn't matter. Just go out and wrestle. But seating and positioning and that stuff really helps. So, I mean – it's uh, it's really interesting to see. And then they announced that Final X will be in uh, Piscataway and, and Lincoln as well, right, Back in June again? They did. They did. There's two sites this year. Uh, the format's going to stay mostly the same um, other than that. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be really interesting, going to the Rack, which is a really cool environment at Rutgers. And, of course, you know, we've been to Lincoln before. It's fantastic. And, you know, you'll probably have Jordan Burroughs and James Green again. So, that's a good thing for for that as well. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting because you you mentioned the jostling for position. These changes that make it really valuable to make the finals um, in a world championships to get a good seed for the next year. It really again emphasizes that number one seed is going to be so huge because it's going to be on the smaller side of the bracket, and it, getting second is much much more valuable. I think it's twice the points as getting. Um, third i mean that's before you factor in the number of people in the bracket so it won't be twice but it'll be 15 more points so that's huge if you can get on that side of the bracket and maybe miss you know the one guy that can beat you that's a massive <laughs> a massive thing now um you could you know that could set you up to be at the number one seed the next year even if you get second so um just kind of depends on how the rest of the events work out but it's really interesting to look at, and of course we don't we haven't had a full year where they've done the entire system yet, so we're still trying to figure out how it's all going to play out. But that that caught my eye for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's. I'm a you know I mean obviously I live in St. Louis, you live in Oklahoma, um, you know we love it when stuff's in the Midwest because we can get to it. But I, the World Team Trials, I guess it was 2017 when they were you know before they went to this format in Lincoln might have been the coolest wrestling weekend of my life that I didn't actually compete. So, you know, I got friends there and friends in Kansas City, and um, we were already talking about VRBOs and Airbnbs and road trips as soon as that was announced. So, um, you know, very excited about that. And like you said, besides those two weights, I would imagine Gilman's weight will be there as well. I mean, he won't be sitting in Final X, but assuming if he does, that they would probably put that weight there as well to draw a crowd from that, that area. Won't, won't he be sitting? He, he medaled again. I thought he was fifth this year. No, he medaled this year. He was he was a bronze medalist again. Are you positive? I I will look it up, but as, as we'll move into 125 as I look up who's right on this early morning because maybe my brain's not working, but I was pretty sure. Okay. Um, I'm going to bet you a plate of wings that he took fifth. Okay. I, yeah, something like that. Uh, maybe we should <laughs> – I have another bet for you, but we'll bring it up next week. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, you know I'm good. <laughs> so. Okay. 
So I don't know if anything really happened at 125 this week. Um, <laughs> no, I watched some, I watched some wrestling last night, and some people were reacting to some stuff. You are correct. He took fifth, so I apologize, Gilmer. I, I thought you got third. Um, I thought he was going to do what – I thought he was going to medal again this year. I really did. Sure. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, so he will, won't be sitting, but you're right. He'll, he will have his weight. Um, his old weight, 125 pounds. I think we all thought Spencer Lee was going to be the guy, but as we are often reminded in college wrestling, anyone can be beaten. Uh, no one is invincible, I guess. Uh, Sebastian Rivera came out in the Midlands Finals and beat Spencer Lee 7-3. to three. He got three takedowns. He's named the outstanding wrestler. It was one of those things that was really interesting because coming into the match, Lee wrestled Pat Glory in the semifinals. Glory looked great from Princeton, um, ended up finishing third. And Lee raced out to a 12-0 lead, and then kind of what we've seen from Lee before, I don't even know if it's really gassing, although it looks like that. Uh, he just, if he can't finish the tech in one of those matches where he's just rolling and somebody gets on top and starts riding him tough, all of a sudden he kind of looks less than what we're used to from Spencer Lee. And he ended up winning that match 12-6 to after getting ridden the last two periods, turned a couple of times took a couple of stall points. Uh, and so we were all wondering if Rivera could kind of stay away from Lee in the finals and then, you know, stay close and then beat him. Well, Rivera did even one better. He came out, got the first takedown, and just basically controlled the entire match, looked good in all three positions. Lee took top in the third and couldn't do anything with him. Uh, really impressive from Sebastian Rivera. What, what do we make of this? There's a lot to unpack here, right? Like, first of all, you mentioned the Glory match, and I think you and I talked off air the first time when they dueled and Glory got teched, and I told you it's the only time in my life I saw a guy get teched and wanted to move him up in the rankings, and I think that was really a credit to how good Spencer Lee is. This time, Spencer Lee ran out to that 12 nothing lead and then gave up the last six points, and I think that's the most shocking thing of that match to me is we're not used to Iowa guys giving up the points late. We're used to Iowa guys being down early and scoring the points late. And, you know, I talked to Andy Hamilton in between the semis and the finals. And, you know, he, he said, you know, we were just talking about how we've seen this happen multiple times this year, the match with Iowa state where he got up to a big lead. Although I, you know, I think he was sick then, but, uh, I mean, Rivera is definitely – I haven't done the rankings yet for this week. I'm going to actually do them on the car on the way down to Chattanooga. But obviously Sebastian Rivera will go to number one. But I think you'd, you encapsulated it really well where it, there wasn't really any controversy in the match. If you didn't know who was supposed to be ranked number one, you would have just thought Rivera was the better guy. And I think the other thing that surprised me was Lee's lack of offense when he was behind. Like, usually you see Iowa guys going forward, for you know, pushing pace, forcing scrambles. You know, they've had a lot of success with that over the years, but even the times they haven't, they lost emptying out the chamber, and it didn't look like it. So, But to be fair, we saw Lee not wrestle great this time last year, and then he went smash mode at Nationals. So uh, they're going to wrestle probably twice more, right? I mean, they're going to wrestle. Do they duel? Do those two teams duel this year? You know, and if not, it's certainly – I don't want to put you on the spot, but they, they possibly wrestle in a duel. It's very probable they'll wrestle in the Big Ten finals, and, you know, certainly they could wrestle at nationals. I mean, it's round one, you know. But I think Rivero, obviously he was, the you know, 
Spencer Lee was the guy on his calendar. And I think that's what happens to any guy that's ever won anything, even if it's a state title. Uh, I mean, 100 years ago when I did that, it was shocking to me how everybody was so fired up to wrestle me the next year. And, you know, you get everybody's best effort. And, you know, I think now Sebastian Rivera will get that a little bit more. Like, I think I think most of us would have set that match at like a five or six point spread. And I don't know who would have picked Rivera to win outright. So, you know, hats off to him. Uh, I saw Cody Brewer last weekend, the assistant coach there in Kansas City. And obviously he's doing a great job working out with him every day to, to get him to that level. Absolutely. And they do meet again in the duel January 27th. So mark your calendars for that. And then, yeah, they could meet at the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. Currently they'll be uh, favored to do so. Yeah, it's really interesting because – Rivera, we've I think it seems like we've been talking about him for a couple of years now, like being the guy that could jump up there and be in the elite. And you know he's ranked number two, but then you look at it and it's like, well, yeah, but who else is in that weight class other than Spencer Lee? So you kind of wait for him to get this big elite win, and now he has it, and he did it in a, a way that you know it wasn't a one point win, it wasn't a weird win, it was just total. I mean, I. You can say domination. I think seven to three, three takedowns to nothing, and you know, not ever being in danger against a guy of Spencer Lee's caliber is it wow, is domination in college. It counts, yeah. it counts domination, so that's yeah. impressive. Uh, and it's interesting because you mentioned Lee not having much offense late, and you know, we didn't see last year what he what his usual season looks like at a college level because he had the injury, he was in red shirt, he had the giant knee brace. We didn't really see how he manages a season. And, you know, in high school it's hard to really tell because he's you know not wrestling anybody that's on his level right. for months at a time. So maybe this is normal for Spencer Lee. Maybe this is what he's supposed to look like in December. We don't know that. Uh, and maybe he'll be the ball of fire that texts everybody and just crushes everyone in March. We don't know. Uh, but this weight class just got a lot more interesting at the top because now we know what Rivera can do, and now we get to spend, you know, we're, like I said, we're going to get more data points on this, and we're going to – all these matches are must-watch now. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so no matter which side of the – for the fans, it's a great thing. Yeah, I think the other thing that's weird about this match, and this and 165, because they're both Iowa guys, is certainly the guys that won, uh, Rivera and Marinelli won. It wasn't anything fluky. There weren't any, you know, shaky calls. I'm not sure that I still wouldn't pick both guys that lost the next time they wrestled. You know, I just, you, and this one was certainly decisive, like we said. I still just wonder, you know, like, It'll be interesting to see, but Spencer Lee, you know, my his national tournament is still etched in my brain. So, you know, I, I got to give him credit for that. Yeah, and you got to, you know, you look at him on the awards stand after that loss, and of course he's not happy, but you, you just see it on his face. He's going to go back and figure out what happened. So I, I have no doubt he'll be back. And that next match, like I said, <laughs> every time they meet from here on out is going to be must-watch viewing. So I can't wait for that. Uh, another, like we mentioned Pat Glory a little bit at 125. I think, you know, we've mentioned, I think a lot of people saw him come in and he wrestled very well, placed third. There weren't a lot of big surprises in that bracket. Otherwise, um, it pretty much held what we thought was going to happen until the finals. 
Uh, and then down in South Beach, Cole Werner of Wyoming got a very impressive win over Sean Foz, pinning uh, the Wolf back 125 and 220, and Wyoming beat NC State on criteria in a surprise duel result. Uh, did you see anything else at 125, and what did you make of that? I didn't see the match, so I called Andy, and Andy said he just took him down and barred him up and walked him over. I think Sean Foz at 125, first match after weigh-ins is you want to wrestle him at Nationals first round Thursday or especially if you're in the quarterfinals or, or wrestle backs, especially quarterfinals on Friday morning. He's just a gigantic human being, you know, so I just, I struggle to see how he's, you know, it's, you know, they're doing it on a pitch count. I, I do think this, the one time I would not want to wrestle him is Friday night when if he wins, he's an All-American, you know, on the backside or he makes the finals. And he's got the most horrific weight cut of his life, but he's an All-American for the rest of his life, you know. So, uh, and I think this is the other thing, and it's certainly a subject for another day. I mean, I'm I'm very good friends with Ethan Kyle and Mark Branch. I mean, also good friends with, with Pop and Obi. But it, I didn't even notice the dual thing until I read it. I was just going through the correct, you know, watching, pulling up the results for rankings, and it didn't even really change rankings that much. I mean, Foz will drop a little bit, obviously. And Werner will move up, but NC State will still be ranked above them in the tournament rankings. So, uh, you know, there's definitely that. And then before we get too far, it's my fault. Um, we got to thank Resolite for sponsoring us for the rankings. want to give a big shout-out to Paul and Matt Gilbert for supporting us and Resolite. I know they got the only fully customizable digiprint mat. So if you need to talk to anybody about mats, give my friends at Resolite a call. Absolutely. Moving up to 133, uh, DeSanto over Noah Gonzer in the finals at Midlands, 15-5. to um, Austin DeSanto continues to not only show that he's improved on the mat, but just to show that he's kind of, I guess I, guess I want to say he's grown up a little bit from last year. You know, last year we, we joked several times, um, you and me and then several other people, that his matches had more penalty points on both sides than any other matches out there. Uh, because, you know, he forces a lot of pressure, so of course he's going to get stall calls, and then there was just always something going on. There was always chippiness. There was always this, there was always that, and then, of course, we always saw the uh, things in Nationals that happened against Mijic with the arm bar and all that stuff. You know, it, it was it was kind of a story, but it was also kind of just part of the DeSanto hype, and we didn't really know how much of that was you know, just part of who he was, but you don't see that this year. That's what I was most impressed with him this weekend. He, the pressure is still there. The intensity is still there and the technique is still there, but none of the extracurriculars, you know, none of the yelling and screaming at, at his, you know, at his corner or none of that, you know, just workmanlike pressure, 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 score when you can and just, you know, take everybody out. And that's, that's a huge development because I don't think his talent was ever in question. It was just a matter of whether he could focus mentally to overcome some of that stuff, and he looked great. Yeah, his composure, that was kind of the word that, that I thought about, his composure and composure and pressure, like you said. So it's a, a big step up for him. I think he's certainly got to win a lot of fans back. I think there's a lot of just the general public that aren't necessarily fans of his after – you know, how some things went in Nationals last year. I mean, he's got to overcome that, those people that feel that way. Um, it's it's earned, you know. But uh, And I think he 
did he not stall Dylan Duncan out in the semifinals? In the second period. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was flipping back and forth between stuff, and I, I was like, what the hell? So, I mean, that's awfully impressive. Uh, yeah, I, his pressure and everything is, is, is sort of not debatable. To me, the question is, 133 is so good, but again... I mean, I'm starting to get a weird feeling that Stevin Misik and Gross are not going to be the same versions of themselves as last year. I mean, you, you can't sit out this long and just come back at 100%. And more and more, this weight feels to me like it's Suriano and Fix, but it also means, you know, that there's a chance to sneak up and, and place. Like, you know, we've got DeSanto right now at 11, which puts him in, obviously, that round of 12. So... Yeah, but I, you know, he's he seems like he's on his way to uh, to changing his image, and that's a really good thing. Absolutely, and you know, unfortunately, uh, we had Nathan Tomasello in the bracket at Midlands, but he had an injury default fairly early, so we didn't get to see him against um, really the top end of the field. Noah Gonzo, that's a nice story for Campbell making the finals. He beat Zach Sherman and Paul Glenn of Iowa to get there on the top side. Uh, so very, you know, props to him. Uh, but I think. This is one of the few weights that I think we learned a lot more in South Beach than we did at Midlands. There right. was a lot going on at 133 pounds down in Florida. Uh, I'm just going to hit a couple of the high points here, and then you can pick out what, what you don't hear from me. Matt Schmidt, I think, is flying under the radar a little bit from West Virginia. He beat Louis Hayes. Uh, Brandon Peitzel also beat Louis Hayes, so uh, Hayes may be struggling a little bit moving up to 133. Uh, Montori Bridges really had a nice weekend, even though he did lose to Tariq Wilson 6-5, to five, but he kind of proved that some of the early season shakiness might be going away. He beat Chaz Tucker in tiebreaker one, and obviously uh, being competitive with Tariq Wilson seemed like a really good thing at the time, but uh, Wilson lost to Paul Conrath of Indiana in the last duel of the weekend 4-3, to three, so that was a surprise because he had been dominant up to that point. Uh, I've got some more stuff written in here, and I'll just I'll just leave it wide open for you. Go wherever you want. There's a lot to talk about. Well, one of the things I do with the rankings is I'll look at the other sources that I respect, and I had Schmidt higher than everybody all year, and I I was fighting it because I'm like I know the kid he's a Missouri kid, and you you, you don't want to be biased, but uh, I think that ranking was justified. Patel's a really hard guy to rank because I think he was like sub 500 at one point. He had one of the he was one of those guys that was beating guys ranked above him and losing guys ranked below him. Montori Bridges was a guy the opposite of Schmidt, where I had everybody I had him lower than everybody, but he had some bad losses. I mean, like not returning All American kind of losses. So I watched the end of the of his match with Tariq. And it feels like he'll be in that round of 16, round of 12 kind of thing again. And, again, he might be a guy that – I mean, he's the leader up there now, you know, with Meredith. You know, he Meredith is there, but obviously, you know, done with his eligibility. I think that might have weighed on him a little bit. And I also think Paul Conrath, I had him ranked earlier in the year at 41, and he went down. I think that guy's going to be a problem at 33. I really do. Yeah, could, could very well be. Um, we had a couple of guys that showed up at New Weights, and we'll get to the others um, as we go through here, but you always wonder about that. But, yeah, you know, you talk about Patel. He beats John Ernesti. He lost to Gary Wayne Harding, so uh, more of the same from him. Yeah. Uh, 
just crazy results. So uh, a lot of interesting results down there. I don't envy you the rankings this week because a lot of conflicting results. Um, it's interesting. NDSU did not get to Florida in time to compete on the first day, but they came to wrestle in the second day. Uh, it was good to see them. Uh, but, you know, traveling from North Dakota to Florida in the winter, that's going to happen sometimes. So I'm glad they made it safe and sound, and hopefully they make it back okay. Moving up to 141, Josh Albert beat Max Murren 5-2 to two in the Midlands Finals. Uh, that was fairly expected. I think that's how it was seeded. You know, Albert is it's interesting. I When I think of him, I always, you know, he's a good wrestler. He's very solid. But I don't ever really think of any – nothing jumps out. He's just solid. Uh, everything is good. There's not a huge weakness. There's not, a you know, something you're expecting to see. He, but he just wins matches. So uh, it's, it's really interesting with guys like that because he's been around, and usually you have a moment with guys like that that you remember. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember when he beat this guy. I remember when he did this or whatever. I don't really have that with Albert, but he's a Midlands champion, and he just keeps winning matches. He's so solid. Um, so he'll keep grinding it out, and maybe, maybe we'll get that moment at the national tournament. We'll have to see. I think the big surprise in that bracket was Michael Blockus, another UNI Panther. Um, he's a true freshman, came in unseated and finished fourth. He beat Mike Van Brill of Rutgers. Um, he lost to Yaya Thomas for third. Uh, Thomas kind of righted his ship after a tough early season. And uh, unseated Joey Gold of Bucknell finishing fifth. Uh, they had a couple of guys pop up. <laughs> what did you make of the Midlands results? I think the top two, obviously, you know, were chalk. But I, I think kind of the sad thing is that, you know, to me, you kind of go back first. Albert's moment to me was him and Nick Lee both losing. I think they were the eight and nine seeds in nationals and then eight versus nine in the first round of wrestlebacks. And, you know, you're done by like four o'clock or whatever it is on the first day or that first night. So, I mean, that that's probably his moment. And, you know, he's, he seems like he's really – used that as motivation. He's a really solid guy, but like you said, he doesn't have really a benchmark win. Um, Blockus is good. I mean, Josh Saunders moved up a couple weights and lost to him last year, but I mean, I you know, obviously I can benchmark off of Josh because I know how good he is, but Blockus is where Josh would be wrestling in college. I mean, he's at 41, so uh, there's a couple guys a couple Iowa high school kids that had really good tournaments at the Midlands this year. So, yeah, and then I'm going to let you, you know, kick it back to you to talk about the South Beach results. But, yeah, yeah, Thomas is another guy that feels like a, a high-ceiling guy. Yeah, and I think we we thought that coming into the year. He just had struggled a little bit out of the gate. So that was it was good to see him have a good tournament, especially on home turf there at Northwestern. So uh, good for him. Yeah, a lot going on again at South Beach. Sam Turner, who was the OW in Reno, uh, turned around and beat Jamal Morris 8-1. to So he looks like he's for real. Um, you know, again, you know, he's so long and so uh, hard to wrestle that uh, he's going to give a lot of guys problems. And, you know, we talked about last week, you know, he's got kind of a funky resume. He's going to be hard to rank right now because he seems to have turned a corner, um, which he had not seemed at the start of the year. Uh, I don't know what to make of him now, but he certainly all of a sudden has confidence and is beating ranked guys every week. So uh, shout out to him. And then we went into the conflicting results part of the story, which will drive you crazy. <laughs> AC Headley beats Mitch McKee in SV1. Well, okay, so 
it says in the results Headley pinned Mitch McKee in tiebreaker one, but they have the time at 7.35, which would be SV1. Either way, he wins in overtime by fall. Uh, McKee turned around and beat Matt Finlay 11-6 to after Finlay had a really good opening part of the year. Finlay beat Morris. Limix also beat Morris, so rough weekend for Jamal. Uh, a lot of results. And then, of course, burying the lead a little bit. Yanni over Ironman in the rematch from last year, 3-1. to one. So uh, Diakma Hollis gets a little bit of vengeance there. Uh, remember last year that was Yanni's only loss was to Ironman at the South Beach Duels. So 3-1, um, to one, kind of a funky match. But that's, you know, I think if Ironman's going to win that match, it's got to be higher scoring than that. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to read a quote here that Andy Hamilton has. He said, when asked what he appreciates most about his battles with Ironman, Diakamahala said this, the dude is different. He reacts different to everything. He's super awkward, and I've got to say it's a good mental test because the whole time he's like, all right, come on. And he's trying to get me into these positions, trying to pull me into these weird positions, and the whole time I'm trying to stay disciplined and hit good attacks and not get frustrated with him backing up and making me chase him into a bad attack. I'm trying to stay disciplined, and I appreciate the little chess game where it's him trying to bait me and me not taking the bait. It's very interesting to me because that's how I have seen that match. That's my visual of that match the whole time is, you know, if if you get – so much of wrestling is this, right? Like, we wrestle in your positions, you're going to win. We wrestle in my positions – I'm going to win, at least at the good level. There's very few guys that are like, you pick a position and I'm just better than you. So it's just their styles are so completely and transparently different that it's it's really, it's almost like the Khabib Connor fight, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like people that don't know anything about MMA could break that fight down for you. So, uh, I Jaden struggles with super fundamental guys. He struggles with Joey McKenna, and he, he, you know, I mean, and he he beat Yanni last year, but he was losing that match pretty convincingly for six and a half minutes. So, you know, the way to beat him is is super solid fundamentals. But he reminds me of like a really good jujitsu guy when you're a wrestler, like you're sort of dodging landmines the whole time, like which is like. Wrestling him feels like the first three months of my life doing jiu-jitsu. We're just trying to stay out of trouble, and it's not fun. That's that's a great way to put it, because um, <laughs> that's that's how I feel with Ironman wrestling. Any top guy, you know, he saw it against McKenna in Vegas, and again here. You know, it's funny because I've I've interviewed Yanni before, and it was an incredible interview. And that quote is just another example of it. I don't know if he's the smartest wrestling mind in college wrestling today, but he certainly translates how he thinks about things into interviews in a way that people can understand really well. So anytime you get a chance to listen to him talk about wrestling is a good thing. He just, he does such a good job of breaking down his thought process, how things work and just at a really high level, it's really impressive. Um, and, and he's only a sophomore, so we get to enjoy this for a while longer. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, I don't know if we would ever want to talk about the rest of the results. I kind of ran through them, but it's just madness in the teens and up to about the top 10 <laughs> at this weight. Yeah, it's going to, you know, I'm actually like looking at those results and, you know, trying to figure out like how much sleep I can actually get in the car before I have to tackle these rankings because <laughs> some of them look like they're going to be a major headache, bro. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. 
at least this week they split the Midlands and the scuffle over the ranking week so you can digest one and then figure it out that when you have to do them both on the same rankings week it's it's impossible um pretty much just start over (laughs) that's what it feels like it's really what it feels like you know and like it's almost frustrating this week like okay i'm gonna make these adjustments and then 12 things in the scuffle are gonna happen and they're gonna just you know they're gonna be a complete swing and miss again so yeah (laughs) Truth. Moving up to 149, Matt Kolodzik, uh staved off any ranking questions as he continues to be the number one, uh, beating Max Thompson in the finals 3-1. to one. It was the first Midlands champ for Princeton. Uh, they got a second one later in the night, which we'll talk about, but that was the first in the history of the Princeton program. You know, we've talked about Princeton moving in the right direction and doing things they've never done or haven't done for a very long time, and we've, they've done it again. Um Really good, solid win for Kolodzik. It was interesting. He was really tested by DeCorey Teamer uh, in the quarterfinals, I believe. It, he, I mean, that that match, Teamer actually got a takedown to go ahead with about 30 seconds left. Kolodzik got an escape, got a takedown, and then Teamer got an escape to force overtime, which then Kolodzik got the takedown. We'll talk about Teamer a little bit as well, but, you know, Kolodzik just has a knack. Um for finding points when he has to, for getting takedowns right at the end of periods, which you saw in the finals. He's just really smart, fundamental, solid, and just scores when he needs to, which is a very nice talent to have. Uh, Thompson, for his part, he beat Alec Pantelio, who had moved down from 57 to 49 for the first time for this tournament. He beat Pantelio in the semis 7 to 4, and he was another one. He kind of he came back from injury at the start of the year, didn't look like the Max Thompson we've all come to know. And then he makes the finals at Midlands, looks really good doing it. Um, and I think he's all the way back now uh, in that mix to be an All-American. So that's really interesting. We talked about Pantelio. He loses and ends up uh, falling to Sammy Sasso in the bronze medal match. Uh, so he finished fourth. It was It was pretty interesting. Sasso lost in the first match to Teamer from Arizona State, a couple of true freshmen. And then he ran all the way back and finished third, beating Pantaleo. He beat Pat Lugo, 6-4 to four in um, sudden victory. And, uh, you know, that's – Lugo ended up beating Ja'Cory Teamer uh, in the Constellation semifinals, so Teamer ended up finishing fifth. Pantaleo forfeited out um, in the fifth and sixth place match. So – a lot going on there in the top six. Uh, that was really the, the big movers and shakers part of the Midlands. Yeah. What was mine for you? Kolodzik reminds me a lot of Kellen Russell. You know, both Blair guys. Both guys, I think that we tend to – I can't. I shouldn't say you. I think people tend to un- underestimate because they're not flashy. They're just super solid. They're – they do stuff like, oh, I could do that. Like, well, maybe, but not as well as they do it. And uh, I know Max from my event. I'm real happy to see him healthy again. Uh, I thought Pantaleo coming down, you know, I was torn between, well, first time down, what's that going to be like, versus he might be the guy, you know, to he might be the number one ranked guy at the end of this weekend. So, you know, I, you know, I was literally talking to a friend of mine, like, if Pantaleo wins Midlands, you know, or Ashnault or him, number one. And, you know, clearly cart before the horse. I do think he's a player there. I have a feeling Michigan's making a move. I have a feeling uh, 
Will Luan's going to come out of red shirt, and I have a feeling that Mason Paris may come out of red shirt. And, you know, we'll obviously get to heavyweight. Uh, Corey Teamer is really good. He just kind of got freshman in that match you were talking about. But, you know, he's he had won the wrestle-off earlier in the year. So, I mean, they those guys are super high on him. They put a lot of time into getting him. And, uh, you know, he was also really helpful in them getting Buciello, you know, because they're New York boys. So, And Sammy Sasso is as good as we thought he was, I think, uh, and it feels like he's perfect, right? Like he's redshirting this year behind Micah, and then he's going to get to pop right in. So I think Teamer and Sasso are guys that, you know, it's, it's like, you know, like fantasy football season is over, and you're already, you know, doing the rankings for 2019. Like Sasso and Teamer are two guys that you feel like will be in the mix next year for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Teamer really impressed me with his scrambling ability. I mean, you see it in the freestyle matches, but sometimes that stuff doesn't translate when there are other options in folk style. But, you know, he's given guys like Kolodzik fits with his scrambling ability. So um, if you're doing that already as a freshman, you're going to be fun to watch all the way through. So uh, keep an eye on him. I, mean, I think we all were already. So <laughs> just yeah, another reason right. to do, right? For sure. Moving up, moving up to 157, Ryan Deacon got the Northwestern Wildcats another Midlands title. Uh, beat Caleb Young six to two. It's amazing. It doesn't matter what weight class Deacon wrestles. He looks massive for the weight. Uh, I think he could just keep going up, and he'll just continue to look giant for the weight. It's amazing. Um, he has that ability. Zach Hartman from Bucknell, I mentioned them a little bit earlier. He came into the tournament unseated and finished third. He beat Mike D'Angelo, who is a Princeton wrestler currently taking a gray shirt here. Um, he beat Christian Pagdaleo. He beat John Van Brill of Rutgers. You know, Hartman came into uh, this tournament six and three. He had losses to Talib Rahmani, Jason Nolf, and Larry Early. So uh, not a bad loss in the bunch and really kind of put himself on the map here uh, with those wins. What do you make of the Midlands results at 157? I want to come back as Ryan Deacon just and just be at the beach all the time. So uh, I want to start with that. That's my resolution for 2019. Um, you know, Caleb Young, I think he's a guy I had ranked higher than everybody else, but it was one of those things where he beat Periot, and Periot beat Berger, and, you know, so it needed to be where it was. And he didn't do anything to hurt himself. He made the finals. You know, it feels like there's levels there. Deacon's really good with that left side swing, single, and finishing. Uh, Zach Hartman was a guy that we had ranked before anybody else, and it was really a hard guy to rank because, like you said, the three losses are like, oh, well, he could be right behind, you know, Taylor Bermani, but his six wins were pretty nondescript, so that was difficult. Grant Lamont beat Perriott, you have here 6 nothing, and so that's going to screw up the rankings. And I, I just – Utah Valley is really getting somewhere, man. They have a really good dual meet team. I think Andy said there's seven or eight guys in our rankings, and their best guy has to sit out this year at 25 with Taylor Lamont. Like, they're doing a really good job there. And then, you know, you mentioned you have this here, Jake Hughes beat Josh Humphreys, and Josh McClure also beat Humphreys, and Jake Hughes also beat Freddie Stroker. Jake Hughes is a guy that I had in the rankings, and then he got pinned in the duel with UVA. But I think he's just a true freshman going through it. And I think when uh, you – I mean, he got the call to come out of red shirt. You know, Mueller – I mean, they're – I don't know that there's a team like this in the country where 
41, 49, 57 are all from the same high school at Missouri. Like, they're, they're all from Father Tolton Catholic, you know, a little small school class one, and I think those guys are probably just getting used to, we're actually wrestling, you know, and, like, you know, we're not just training and trying to get better. Like, these matches really count. So I think, you know, that he's going to get better as the year goes on as well. Definitely. I mean, uh, we talked about it. We've talked about it for several reasons for several different guys um, lately about guys that you know start the year and they have some weird results and they don't look quite right, whether it's injury, whether it's being a true freshman adjusting to college. For Even if you're not a true freshman and you're in the lineup for the first time, that can have some uh, some effect on you. You know, that kind of stuff, by the end of the year, that doesn't matter as far as your uh, wrestling ability. It might affect your seat a little bit. Um, so I guess for those of us that play the NCAA, um, you know, the games where you play the fantasy wrestling, that's yeah. the, those are the guys to look at. Those are the guys that start off a little slow. Maybe they're not going to get the seed they should, but uh, at the end of the year, they'll be there. And I think Jack Hughes is one of those. Um, I, I don't know what his ceiling is, but uh, definitely I think he's – got a chance to rise up. Um, and you mentioned UVU. They're doing a great job. They're kind of out in the middle of nowhere from a, a D1 standpoint. Uh, it's tough. You know, they got Arizona State right there, but we need some more programs out that direction to uh, continue to build out. Uh, so they have to travel a lot, but they, they continue to make strides. And, yeah, Grant Lamont had a nice weekend, so good for him. Uh, they've, they've got an interesting lineup. You mentioned the dual meet strength, and it's like all their guys, you kind of watch them and they're like, well, yeah, he can beat some guys. He's going to pull some upsets, but they don't have their bell cow because Taylor Lamont is out. So yeah. it's really interesting. Well, Romero, uh, but, but Romero's coming on a little bit. He's starting to be their guy, I think. You know, like I think Yeah, he could be their out. guy. I mean, both the Orndorfs have some wins. Kimball Bastion's been around. It's like they have some guys that could turn into that. Uh, we just we just don't know yet which yeah, one it's going to be. At. For sure. Uh, 165, Alex Marinelli avenges his loss from Nationals to Evan Wick of Wisconsin, beat him 4-3 to in the finals uh, in a match where Marinelli took some stall calls that the Brands brothers did not appreciate uh, late but held on to win 4-3. to Really, there weren't any other surprises. Um, Shields finished third, Bryce Dyer finished fourth, um, as you would expect. You know, it's interesting, you know, we talked about before the year, Wick went on that run at Nationals just bonusing everyone, and that included Alex Marinelli, excuse me, Alex Marinelli, which was a really big surprise at the time because Marinelli's not a guy that gets, you know, blown off the map by anybody. Um, so to see that happen, you're going, okay, where is Wick going? And I think Wick's start of the year, you think, okay, he is that guy, but I think that speaks more of uh, Marinelli might have had a bad match. They might've gotten in some bad spots for him because I think, <laughs> I don't think we're going to see bonus from Wick over Marinelli again. Uh, would you agree with that? I think he might pin him. I well, think, yeah, that that's possible. Yeah. I don't think he's going to outscore him by eight points, but uh, I love the Brands brothers, but Marinelli didn't do anything for the last four minutes of the match. Right. Like, I mean, he fired off one leg attack. I think he did it so he wouldn't get another stalling call. He wrestled really smart. I mean, don't get me wrong. He got two takedowns, and he finished on top at the end of the first period, and he was smart enough not to pick down in the third period. That might have been – that was definitely the smartest thing he did in the last four minutes. But that that match, I you know, Marinelli won the match. The rankings will change. But I, I think if you're coaching Wick, you're not 
you're like, look, you just can't give up blast like doubles where you fall right to your butt. You got to scramble, and you know, because tall guys generally win those those scrambles. The length helps you. So, and, and I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. Help me with the 65 pounder from West Virginia. I think it's Nick Cusis. Um, I remember him from high school, and I, I don't think I've ever heard his name pronounced. I just see it on brackets winning things a lot in high school. And uh, now he, he upset Andrew Fogarty at the South Beach Duels, so good win for him, another another good win. And Cam uh, Coy. Yeah, he beat Cam Coy, too. I missed that one. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a nice weekend. Uh, he's a young kid still, so he's got a – I don't know if he's a redshirt freshman or a sophomore. I don't remember. But uh, still a lot of eligibility left, and that, that may have been him making his name. We'll see. It's uh, <laughs> a good weekend for him. Yeah, because those guys are ranked like 18th and 19th. So, I mean, I got to go do body of work, but I think that guy has to come in the rankings at least like at 25. I mean, I don't think you can have two top 20 wins two days ago or yesterday and, and not make the rankings. So, I mean, West Virginia is starting to, to put some things together over there as well. Yeah, and I mean, with Tim Flynn, it was only a matter of time, and I think it'll only get better as he, um, you know, gets his recruits in there. But, you know, there was talent. I don't think anybody was denying uh, when Henson was there that he was bringing in some talented kids. So um, I, I think we'll see that turn around quicker than a lot of people think. You know, you talk about guys like Noah Adams, now Cusis is doing his thing. You know, they've got some talent there, and if they can start getting some wins, I think you'll see more and more guys jump on that train. I mean, you know, we talked about Schmidt, too, so uh, that's that's already a solid core to build around. Tim Flynn is just teaching everybody headlocks, Alex. I mean, whatever you, whatever you got to do to win, right? That's all you need, headlock. <laughs> For people who don't know, they need to watch that video. So, yeah, that's not a real thing, but, um, yeah, it's a super funny video that he put together with. Who did he do that with? Who was the kid? I don't, I don't Mitchell remember Port. It was Mitchell Port. Yeah, they were cracking up the whole time. It's pretty great. So, anyway. Moving up to 174. Oh, before we go to 174, so you mentioned the Stalic calls on Marinelli, and I watched a lot of wrestling this weekend. Uh, and I think the pro- the, hard- the hardest part, for coaches, for athletes, for us as fans, it's not that those stall calls against Marinelli were necessarily unwarranted. It's the inconsistency. You know, we talked about, you know, DeSanto stalling out Dylan Duncan. And, uh, you know, those were mostly – there were a couple on-the-mat stall calls, but mostly they were backing off the mat. Yeah, those so – right, yes. Go ahead. Sorry. And they're, they're, Well, they're good at calling those um, when it's super obvious, that when it's – not obvious, it's very inconsistent. But in a case where a guy's backing from center off the mat, never, you know, changes his angle, anything, they're pretty good at calling those. And I think when we see guys getting stalled out, that's most of the time what is happening. They're going off the mat. Fine. But in the case of guys stalling on the mat, it's super inconsistent. We'll see guys spend four minutes on the mat never trying to stand up and get one stall call, and then we'll see another match they'll get three or four. And, it, I mean, it's always going to be hard. It's always going to be a subjective call. I get that. But the officials and the officials have a tough job of trying to standardize it between them because it's really, you know, the, the rule book is pretty vague over when you pull the trigger and when you hit them. Uh, but that's really the problem is then, you know, you, you'll sit there and watch one of your guys wrestle a guy that doesn't do anything and he gets a point stalling maybe 
and then you'll get another one where they get two or three points. And I, I understand the frustration because there's, there isn't a lot of consistency there. Uh, like you said, Marinelli didn't do anything. So I don't think you can argue that they're unwarranted. It's just when you look at the matches across the board, it, it's not applied consistently. So yeah, I can understand. I guess. Here's my point. If they were coaching Wick, if those uniforms were switched, <laughs> they would be losing their mind. So, and we, I mean, like, I didn't even finish to hit the punchline and you're laughing. So, like, you, you knew where I was going with that. And I think you're agreeing with me because you're laughing. So, like, if you're just realistic about it, like, you would be killing the ref if it was the other way around, then you can't complain. Like, yeah. you lose credibility. Yeah. You lose you lose the Pepsi taste, you know, Pepsi challenge there. Like, you know, <laughs> like, and and look, it's easy for me to be that way now because I'm in the media, not in a corner. I'm, I'm going to be in a corner tomorrow, and I'll probably be a lunatic like those guys are being, like, unrealistic. But it's not realistic. Like, if you know you would lose your mind if it was the other way around, then you just, you, you got to just sit on your hands. Like Yeah. Uh, yeah. I struggle I agree with, with that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. Coaches are not, and and, it, and that's part of it. You know, we could go into the psychology of being a coach, and, you know, you know it better than I do. I'm sure that, I'll be know, complain, both... complaining about calls next week on the podcast. Sure yeah, exactly. I'm sure it's going to happen. It, it, but I also know it, it, I'm ridiculous doing it. Like, right. <laughs> like that, that's the difference. Like, well, I'm going to do this, but, you know, maybe grain assault me here for the next three minutes while. I go on a stream of consciousness, you know, but I, I mean, they're that way all the time. They've always, here's the thing you do have to say about Iowa guys. Like they're always pushing for effort and attempts. So, and, and I think we all respect the hell out of those guys for that. So when one guy is doing that and the other guy is not, if you take the uniforms off and just put them in t-shirts and shorts, you, you would think they would be supporting the guy that's doing all the action. You know, and and that's the point. Like, Wick tries to score on top. He doesn't just ride. He tries to score. And he was trying to score on his feet. I mean, I think that's going to be a fascinating match. I don't know if they duel again, and I won't make you look it up, but certainly they'll be in the mix. They're, you know, right now they're the Big Ten semi with Vincenzo there. So, I mean, I guess, well, I shouldn't say that. I guess where Massa falls in, but they could certainly hit each other again for sure. Yeah, and they do have another duel. I still had Iowa's schedule up from before. Uh, so they duel February 17th, which is very close to the end of the season. So that'll be an interesting duel to watch. And, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. I mean, yes, I understand it's frustrating for them. I also understand that most coaches see the world through um, colored glasses of whatever yeah, school right. they are. So, that, so I get it. And, and I think you put it exactly right. They are ridiculous for doing it, and we completely understand why they are ridiculous for doing it. Right. So. I just like, don't expect us to go, man, we real, I feel you, Coach. Like, you know, you can't right. – yeah, <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm, I'm going to get killed by those guys at the U.S. Open now. <laughs> you know that's going to happen, but it's okay. So. Moving up to 174, Zahid Valencia over Taylor Luan, 17-7 uh, in the finals. Uh, it was kind of interesting. Valencia gave up uh, quite a few points this weekend for what we're used to seeing from him. Um, the semifinals, uh, I forget who he was wrestling in the semis, but that was a more competitive match than you would have expected. Christensen, uh, right? Christensen, yes, from Wisconsin. You're, you're absolutely right. He got a takedown or two. It, it was interesting um, to see Valencia. Now, 
you know, I think you – maybe it was you that told me this at one point, but the Valencia's offense is predicated on being able to get out of a bad shot. That's so I don't think he's over, overly concerned with that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's how yeah. they taught those guys backwards. That's how right. my dad taught them, yeah. So, so that you know, you're going to give up some takedowns when you when you think that way. Uh, and of course, he won both matches going away, so not something to be concerned about. Just interesting to see. Um, and we like that. We like seeing guys that want to go out and create action. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, still gets gets the title, and uh, <laughs> he's still right there with Mark Hall top this weight. And we'll get to see him and Miles Amin shortly, uh, which will be a good thing uh, to find out where Amin is at. Uh, Christensen, as we mentioned reached the semifinals uh, by he beat Aaron Brooks who was there he beat him for nothing it was kind of the kind of match that you would expect a true freshman who's not really even a true freshman yet he's still senior in high school um, kind of that kind of match that you'd expect him to lose uh, there was not a takedown in the match Christensen got an escape and then in the third he rode Brooks got a two-near fall and a riding time point to win 4-0. Uh, Brooks forfeited out. Um, from what I can, from what I understand, he was under the weather a little bit. Uh, but you know, this is what we see from Brooks. He's willing to put himself out there and compete. So good on him and a good win for Christensen overall. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you, you got a couple other results here: Bastion over Lighty, uh, Cavasio, if you say this, the name correctly, over Bullard. I'm a little more concerned about Sahid than you are. Not like, not like it's a problem, but I I think Sahid is training for Mark Hall, and the the problem is if you give up a takedown or two like that against Mark Hall, you're not probably going to come back from it. The other side of it is if you're not opening up and trying your offense, you're not going to figure out what's working. So I'd imagine that Zeke and Lee and Pendleton and Jamil and those guys will get it figured out. But, uh, and maybe, maybe I shouldn't be concerned. Maybe it's just like, look, man, I'm going to open up. I'm ticked off about that duel. I'm going to go score points and we'll figure out, you know, if I drop a couple along the way, who really cares? So maybe, maybe that, as I say that, maybe that's hopefully how they're looking at it. But, uh, it, it, it felt a little sloppy and, you know, it's interesting. We've in my rankings, our rankings, we've had three number ones change. You know, one of them was Desi coming back, so in heavyweights, that wasn't really surprising. But the other two are Spencer Lee and Zahid. And I think at the beginning of the year, if you said these would be the first two guys that you know come out from number one, you you could have made good money on that. It, it, it's pretty surprising. Yeah, no question. I mean, I think I think a lot of people thought Zahid was pulling away from Mark Hall a little bit. Um, obviously Hall is such a good wrestler. It's hard to really say that he never didn't have a chance in that match. And of course he proved that he did have a chance in that match, but yeah. it kind of a lot like the Spencer Lee, Sebastian Rivera thing, except, you know, Hall has a much uh, more extensive resume than Rivera does at this point. Uh, but where it's like, okay, we have a number one and number two, and we feel like the number one is pretty solid. And now they both flipped. So <laughs> right. yeah, right. <laughs> college wrestling for you. Yeah. Moving up to 184 pounds, Drew Foster got the title for you and I over Cash Wilkie in a 3-2 match, uh, pretty much as we expected. And then, let's see here, Mason Reinhardt from Wisconsin had a good run. He beat the three-seed Parker from Princeton and then ended up beating Jackson Himauer, who was another guy who had a nice tournament from Fresno State um, in the third-place match. So Reinhardt finished third. 
Himauer beat the five seed Lafragola to be to reach the semis and finished fourth. So a good tournament for him as well. Um, you know, this is not a lot to take away from the Midlands results. Uh, some more interesting results in South Beach, I think, uh, where Norman Conley from Indiana, who I will admit I had not heard of, St. Louis beach guy. It. He's a St. Louis guy. Okay. Perfect, perfect. So you know who he is. I know who he is. Yeah, that's my, <laughs> his family. I know his family really well. They're Chaminade guys, yeah. Shout out to, to Norm and Danny, yeah. So. Yes, he upset Chip Ness of North Carolina 3-2, to two, and Indiana ended up beating North Carolina 19-16. to 16. I will say um, him and a couple of other, you know, we talked about Conrath earlier and just noticed that Indiana fought real hard and uh, got some good wins this weekend. So Escobedo doing a nice job up there um, helping that helping dig that program around and, you know, trying to dig them out of the lower reaches of the Big Ten. So good job by them. Um, Andrew McNally of Kent State pinned Cam Caffey of Michigan State in 245. That was a surprise. Um, and then Dylan Wisman, who has had kind of an under-the-radar season. You know, last year he was solid but didn't have a lot of big wins. And he, he beat Max Dean 7-6. to six. Um, He's been pretty solid this year. And uh, suddenly at 184, he's starting to look like a round of 16, round of 12 type of guy. Yeah. So to kind of foster Wilkie kind of as expected – Mason Reinhardt and Hemauer are now going to come into the rankings, and thanks, guys, for screwing all that apple cart up. Uh, <laughs> you helped me with that chip nest, that whole group of guys at 84. I'd, I'd have to look at where he is now, but he's definitely going to be at the bottom of that list now. Uh, Cam Caffey's a guy I've been really high on. He's from right across the, the river here in St. Louis, and a super talented kid that was under the radar, and Michigan State's done really well with him. I mean, this is, you know, he'll drop in the rankings a little bit, but, you know, I, I didn't watch the match, but anybody can get pinned. It just happens sometimes. And Wisman, he didn't start last year at the end of the year. I think he was hurt, but Canton Marriott started. And Canton Marriott right. was the 16 seed. So those guys have been going back and forth all year. I remember at one point texting Alex Clemson saying, hey, who do I rank, Wisman or Marriott? And he goes, That's, he goes I don't know, who would you rank? <laughs> That's not really my job. My job to text you and ask you these questions. Uh, Alex Clemson is always good for a good, funny text, by the way. <laughs> so there's that. But yeah, uh, eighty-four, ninety-seven. For the you know, it, it just feels like there's a lot of parity, especially you know, like a couple guys hammers at the top, but the guys in the middle, it feels like the gap between like you know seven and twenty in some of these weights is not that big. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, and, and that's and that's how the results are going too. You're, you know, you've got nobody taking taking the reins and looking like they're going to lead that chase pack um, to try to get up in the top, you know, four, five, six. So, uh, <laughs> good luck with those rankings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the sarcasm is always so heavily dripping from you. It's the one side. It's the one time where you're actually snarky. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, and you know, you know, I've been there, so I, I know what it's like when you see these results roll in, and, and just there's no good answer at that point. It's just like, okay, they, they all conflict. I'm just going to have to sit down, look at the wins and losses, and hope something makes sense. But uh, yeah, hold my yeah. nose and make a choice. Yeah, pretty yeah. much it. Yeah. Oops. 
moving up to 197. Now, the good news for you is you won't have to rank Tanner, Tanner Sloan yet. He is a true freshman. He's currently still in red shirt uh, for South Dakota State, and he ran all the way to the finals before falling to Pat Brucky of Princeton. Uh, Brucky became the second Midlands champion for Princeton in history after Kolodzik had done the first one earlier in the night. Uh, Brucky looked great. One of the one of the finals, 13 to four, pretty much looked like the class of this field. Uh, Tanner Sloan, though, was the story. I mean, yeah. He, he got the seven seed early, and it was like, okay, he's good. You know, he's he, we knew he was a solid wrestler. I know SDSU was high on him, uh, but then he texted Jacob Warner, uh, 19 to three, which I don't. I mean, you talk about things that nobody saw coming. If you had said, oh, Tanner Sloan text Jacob Warner, I would have said, are you sure that result isn't backwards on it's the a, website? It is the biggest upset of the year. I mean, it, yeah. It, it's bigger than Rivera beating Lee. It's bigger than Larry Early beating Hayden Hidley or Hidley, depending on which one of us are talking about him. Like, <laughs> um, it, because those guys, like, okay, Early's a, a ranked guy. He's a guy that won Fargo. Like, you know, for God's sake, Sebastian Rivera's ranked number two. You know, like Tanner Sloan, I had to look up who that was because it just said, you know, S-O-U-T. I'm like, what? You know, because Mar- I got a text earlier from South Dakota State saying Martin Mueller was moving up and that's who the guy we should be ranking going forward. And I guess this kid is from Iowa. From yep. A small class one school was a one-time state champ. Andy Hamilton told me he was going to co-college until SDSU offered him. That's crazy, man. That is crazy. I don't care what anybody says. And, like, if he had pinned Warner, I would be less impressed than 19-3. to There's no – back when I wrestled my before my senior year, or my senior year, a tech fall was still – was the same team points as a fall. And my dad was like – don't pin them, tech them. And I'm like, why? He goes, they can't say you got lucky. <laughs> he goes, you tech a guy. He goes, he's met, he's mentally broke for the next time. He goes, you go out there and pin him once. They're like, well, if he hadn't pinned me, I might have won. Ninth, there's no lucky 19 to 3. It's impossible. Right. Yeah, right. it's insane. I, I'm like, I'm doing research on this guy. Like, am I supposed to rank him? Yeah, I was crazy. Yeah, I mean, right now, as far as I can tell, he's still in red shirt. So, um, obviously, they're going to have to make a decision there. They do have Martin Mueller, who's rock solid, but um, has never made the Midlands finals, to my knowledge. So, um, they're going to have to decide what they think about that. Um, Sloan beat Lucas Davidson, another true freshman. Uh, Davidson is from Northwestern uh, in the semifinals. And Davidson ended up finishing third. So, that was really, he had a really impressive week as well. Uh, you know, Warner ends up finishing fifth. He lost to Rocco Kaywood uh, in the Constellation semis. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to make of Warner right now. We kind of – we've been waiting for him to take that step forward, and this is obviously a step backward. Um, two steps so backwards, I don't literally. <laughs> two right. steps backwards and one big, big step backwards. Yeah, right. his ceiling is he beats Willie Miklas, right? But his basement is he gets teched by Tanner Sloan. I mean – that's a big, big gap, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And we don't know Sloan is going to be. I mean, he has one loss this year. It was to Dylan Anderson of Minnesota on the opening weekend of the season, and he's since avenged that loss. So, well, and obviously has lost to Brucky now, but coming into this tournament, he had that one loss. So we don't really know where Sloan's ceiling is and how good he is. So by the end of the year, and especially by the end of 
the next couple of years when we see what Sloan looks like in the lineup, that may not look like the massive upset that it does right now. No, but it will. It will. I don't care if Tanner Sloan wins the Nationals. I don't care if Tanner Sloan pins Bo Nickel 19-3, man. It's not that he lost. It's how he lost. Like, it's, yeah, I don't want to disagree with you, but I disagree with you. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. 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 I mean, so, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, and I mean, Kaywood is a solid wrestler too. He's in the rankings, but it's not what we thought Warner was going to be right now. And of course, he's got time to right the ship. But uh, yeah, we're going to have to. Uh, Iowa in general has some questions after this weekend, and they won the team title going away at Midlands, but I don't think they really feel that good heading back to Iowa. Um, <laughs> I don't think they feel good about it. I, I can't imagine. So we'll Co- see where that goes. Yeah. Yeah, coaching guys, like coaching a team, you're never happy. Like you can win nationals right. and like, yeah, but this guy lost. You know, like right. it, it's it's the opposite of like football and basketball, you know, where an overarching thing, you know, like, well, we won. I mean, our cornerback got burned for four touchdowns, but we still won. You know, like, well, right. but we won. It's okay. So, yeah, this, this Tanner Sloan thing. I, I'm telling you this right now. 97 is so shallow. If Martin Mueller's not 100% and he can get another year, I think you think about pulling Tanner Sloan out of redshirt. Yeah, I mean, after this weekend, you'd have to you have to think about it no matter what. I mean, you have to, you have to consider it. Um, so, moving down to South Beach, uh, Kale Davidson beat Malik McDonald 8-6, to and that was part of that Wyoming upsetting NC State on criteria that we talked about earlier. Um, Kyle Gentile beat J.I.L.O. in a 12-11 to match that I haven't seen yet, but I kind of want to. Yeah. Um, and you see a score like that. The biggest story to me of the weekend was Riley Streifel, who has been a career heavyweight for Minnesota. And obviously when Gable Stevenson showed up and took over the starting job this year, you know, didn't have a spot in the lineup. He is making 197 now, uh, which I think this was the first time all year that he's made 197. He had wrestled 285 a couple of times, and he upset Jake Jacobson one to nothing. He also beat Jason Blair, and then he lost to Tanner Orndorff from Utah Valley five to four. Ended up going three and one on the weekend. That's a really interesting thing to watch. Uh, yeah, anytime a guy comes down from 285 to 187, we don't see that very often. Uh, but if they can make the weight, you have to wonder how they're going to look. And obviously, to get a ranked win. Um, and to lose a close match against Orndorff, who's been good, he obviously has some potential, and that makes Minnesota's lineup even more scary, especially in a dual meet situation. Yeah, for sure. 100% agree there. So we'll move up to 285. Tanner Hall still wrestling unattached as he redshirts uh, for Arizona State, beat Conan Jennings 4-3 to in the finals. Um, let me tell you, if any D1 coaches are listening to this and your heavyweight wrestles Conan Jennings, don't take down. Don't. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen it too many times, guys that are competitive in the match and then <laughs> to go underneath Conan Jennings, and he, he does some work on top. He That's how he beat Mason Paris in the uh, semifinals. Paris got to the semifinals looking pretty good. Uh, it was ahead in that match at one point. It was ahead going into the third period, and Jennings rode him the entire time. It was going to be four to four uh, with the riding time point, and then right at the end, Paris got aggressive, tried to roll out, and Jennings tilted him for two near fall. I mean, literally the last two seconds of the match uh, to win it six to four to get to the finals. You know, Paris has a really interesting weekend. He beat Hilger from Wisconsin. He, uh, <laughs> him and Matt Stencil now have traded 
30-second pins. Uh, I think Paris is yeah. 14 seconds yeah. right here. But that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's I, that. I knew you wouldn't so miss wrestled, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they wrestled 44 seconds over two matches and split. I don't – that's uh, – <laughs> I don't that's know what is going on. That's 285, man. That's how that goes. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Stencil yeah. won the award for most pins, least amount of time at the Midlands. He had four falls. Um, he had the 30-second pin over Stencil. And then he pinned Cassiope really quick, too. I had it written down. Yeah, they, so a minute 13 combined, he pinned Cassiope and Mason Paris. So uh, that was impressive. He finished third. You know, it, it was hard to decide what to make of heavyweight because, you know, Cassiope had been so dominant, but he lost to Jerry Hino of Campbell, 11-3. to And then he was pinned by Stencil. You know, that's – I think we all knew he hadn't faced the best competition, so – we weren't really sure where he stood. I think he has a better idea now. Um, and then Paris looks great. Uh, you really good on his feet and obviously struggled a little bit on the mat against Jennings, but you know, Jennings does that to people. So it's hard to really decide if that's even a, an issue. Um, I'd have to see other matches where he struggled on bottom to really be overly concerned about that. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of interesting results at 285. A lot of young guys that we haven't seen much of, um, doing some work. So, and then of course, Tanner Hall and Conan Jennings, who we've seen a ton of times in the finals. <laughs> yeah. What'd you make the Midlands results? Arizona state needs to take Tanner Hall out of red shirt. Like, that's <laughs> what I think. I mean, they got Colton Schultz coming in. Tanner Hall won a big tournament. I mean, I know he didn't hit stole head to head, but we already know they're a coin flip apart. Uh, he went over time with Gable Stevenson earlier this year. Like he's right there. He's a guy that will be in the quarterfinals with the right gaming game planning, will be in the semifinals, and if he draws anybody but Gable, I think he's got a good chance to make the final. And you get those points. You know, Arizona State's got a few guys going in the wrong direction. This would make up for a lot of it. It also, scholarship-wise, doesn't tie up two of those guys on scholarship next year where his money would free up and you could wrestle Schultz right away. Uh, Elam's kind of doing a little bit of that freshman slide. I'm still really high on him, but, you know, he he lost to Avon from Purdue and Sweeney. And I was just, you know, I was super high on Cassiope. And, you know, it doesn't mean that uh, um, he doesn't, you know, he's not going to be awesome, but he just didn't, you know, he, he didn't win this weekend. And I had just pulled Hino out of the rankings because he hadn't wrestled all year. So now i got to put him back in. Well, I mean, it, yeah. so much of these guys, like, it's so – it's such a difficult decision. Like, okay, well, I'm going to leave Seth Gross because he was a national champion. I mean, like, sometimes this is an art and not a science. I mean, I, I you know, you have to admit that, right? So, uh, but, yeah, those are those are my thoughts. I think, you know, Arizona's, Arizona State's in this bundle of – kind of 6 through 12 teams, and I, I think, you know, Tanner Hall puts them on the top shelf of that. I know they feel like they can make a lot of noise next year, but I think they can make just as much noise with Colton Schultz, and then you use the Tanner Hall money and you get two other guys. And that's that's the thing that people have never recruited, don't really think about. Like, whatever money Tanner Hall is on, and he has to be on a lot because he was a huge get when they got him, you could probably get two hammers for what he's on. Right. Yeah, and I mean, they're obviously building for the future again. They've got a lot of recruits. Some are there now, and some are signed, sealed, delivered. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, I completely agree with 
to take on Hall. He could absolutely be a finalist this year, so it's it's hard to turn that down. But um, I don't know the specifics of the situation. Uh, and it's you know Sam stole medical forfeits in the quarters. It wasn't you know a case where he got injured and you know noticeably it was more precautionary. So uh, they continue to keep him on a very short leash. I don't think we're really going to know. We might not know what he's going to look like until nationals because I don't know what their plans are the rest of the year, but um, something to keep an eye on. And that's kind of the wild card in this heavyweight uh, mix right now, because we know he could be right up there, but we have no idea if he's healthy or not. Well, and like we said, though, like all these guys that aren't wrestling all year, you know, they they can turn it on, but that's generally not the case, right? Like generally, you know, you get matches in and you improve throughout the year. I mean, there's some guys that are so special that they can just do that or, you know, it's a lower level, like a guy can win a state title that way, but trying to win the Nationals in Division One is a lot different than that. Yeah, and Stoll's been, you know, he's had several injuries and, of course, uh, yeah, the <laughs> latest off incident. So uh, I just don't, yeah, I don't think we're going to know. Like, we just don't, we don't know how healthy it is. I kind of surprised that they let him wrestle as much as they did last year. I mean, you know, your point is well taken about you can't just sit out and not, wrestle all year well most guys can't and do well at the end of the year but at the same time when you've got a guy that keeps getting injured like would you rather have him healthy or would you rather have him well tested that's it's a balance and it's a tough answer to i don't think there's any completely right answer especially without being in the room every day but uh i was surprised how much we saw him last year um and it'll be interesting to see how much we see him big dual season yeah it's also tough you know we've had guys like that and you have to look at how it affects the culture of your locker room and your your wrestling room because there's certain guys who are like, well, why does he get to sit out? I'm, I mean, I, I'm banged up too. And, I mean, that's a part that a lot of people don't think about, but it's a very real thing because, trust me, I've had those conversations with guys. Right. Yeah, and, it, and that's always hard. Um, that's the part of, you know, not being in that room and not seeing it day to day. We're never going to know the answer for sure, but uh, it's, it's an interesting thing to, to think about and to watch. And uh, like I said, with the top side of heavyweight kind of thin, you know, he makes a bit. He make, could make a huge difference. It just kind of depends if he's healthy. I mean, he looked last year at nationals. He had so many pins and so many bonus points that he's potentially a big point scorer for them. And we just don't know what we're going to get. I think he, he won most falls last year, right? Right, I think that's right. I mean, I know Iowa had more bonus points than anybody, and he was a big part of that. Yeah. Uh, We'll see. All right, well, that is all of the results that we can get to. There were a ton more, and there's about to be more coming up with the scuffle, the first and second, and we'll get right back into the dual season as school kicks off again, and uh, the Big Ten dual season and all the conference dual seasons get underway. It'll be a good time. Um, So you're headed to the scuffle. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not going for the first time in a couple of years, so I'll be here watching. And I'll, what I'll do is I'll make sure I'll watch the video feed. And if you get onto the officials, I will make sure and, and bring it up next week after. You, you after know what? Your, you know what? I don't have. I can't. I don't have a brick. Can't. Throw well, yeah, you you can't challenge, but which is the dumb. Don't get me started on the dumbest rule in college wrestling. Well, but, uh, here's the here's the loophole I have. I can get kicked out of the gym as a coach and come back as a member of the media. <laughs> I have passes for both, and don't think I will not take advantage of that. So, <laughs> and you know me well enough. So. <laughs> well, we'll be watching. 
I mean, we'll be watching all the all the wrestling, but we'll be watching <laughs> it, and uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. It's it's a great time of year to be a wrestling fan. It's a great time of year in general. Uh, Happy New Year to all our listeners and to you and yours, David. Uh, I think that's it for this week, right? Yeah, this will be one of my uh, more one of the quieter. New Year's Eve that I had in a long time, but if you're doing it for wrestling, it's all good. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, happy New Year to to you and your family, and it's, it's been really fun doing this with you uh, this year. Absolutely. Uh, I know from experience that the Waffle Houses in Chattanooga never close, so if you get in there late, uh, you, can, you can still get a meal on New Year's Eve when everything else shuts down. So if you need it, that's there for I'm you. Just, I'm trying to get in front of a TV tonight and watch the PFL, listen to my guy Randy Couture do the play-by-play. And uh, so that's going to be my, hopefully, my exciting New Year's Eve and, and maybe find a place to, uh, like, get a decent meal without having to pay a $50 cover charge. Those are the, yeah. those are the I got big goals today. So. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Uh, we made it through this entire podcast. There was so much going on with wrestling. We didn't talk about anything UFC related, despite, you know, we didn't say pulsing metabolites a single time, uh, which is awkward. Uh, we'll get to that at some point someday. But uh, Amanda uh, Nunez, though, goat. Oh, yes. Goat. Absolutely. Female goat. Unbelievable. I mean, if you beat Cyborg, Grousey, and Misha Tate, I, I don't know how any could goat. argue with it. That's unbelievable. It's a wrap. So, yeah, man, for sure. Uh, so, for Alex Dean and David Maricatani, uh, here we are wishing you a happy new year. Uh, if you're listening to this in 2019, hello from the past, and enjoy the rest of the next couple of days. We'll see you next week talking about the Southern Scuffle. Bye-bye.